This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Marketers and business owners, you've been pining after a certain someone. Your job's on the line. You're desperate for them to like you back. Here's a word of advice from me. Talking is hot. Just you and them, finally alone, like us two right now. Maybe under the duvet, headphones on, one-on-one. Podcast advertising is proven to be one of the best ways to catch their attention. So surprise them while they're tuned in, while the moment's right. Say a line or two that really gets them going. Next time, if you want to win over your special someone and build some brand love, experiment with something new, just focus on your voice. Advertise on more than 100,000 podcast shows with Acast. Head to go.acast.com slash closer to get started. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is our full reaction show. Joining you the morning after Arsenal's 1-0 win over Manchester City. I brought the energy yesterday. I willed it into existence that we would win. Oh, yes. Oh, I feel good. I feel so good. I feel incredibly, incredibly good. Uh, I've not stopped moving. I've just been sitting around waiting for the show to start. Just, you know, boogieing. <laughs> it's been absolutely a glorious last 12 hours. It's been a great weekend, to be honest. Um, yesterday's show was was a great kind of morning episode into my crazy hypothesis that things could go our way. Um and things started to go wrong, you know, throughout the day. And uh, the Picard Saka thing happened, which we'll talk about. But um, oh, I'm just so happy. <laughs> I'm just so happy this morning um, because Arsenal have finally managed to do it. Arsenal won. Manchester City nil. Uh, we are going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about the day. We're going to talk about what it means. We're going to talk about individual performances. And we're going to get your thoughts as well, of course, in the chat box as well. So if you could drop a like and subscribe, that'd be great. We hit 52,000 subs yesterday, by the way. So a massive thank you to everybody that helped us on our way to that milestone. We head towards 53 now. So if you are new to the channel, we do shows every single day, UK time, 8 a.m., um, so do tune in, do listen, do like, subscribe, all of that YouTubey stuff. Right, let's crack on with the story, shall we? Because, yes, um, Arsenal beating Manchester City. Uh, I described this as the game that the process has kind of been waiting for. Uh, we've waited for this type of game. We've waited for this fixture. We have waited to be shown the way um, to Arsenal getting a result over their long-term rivals. And 
it, they've become our rivals because of the process, because of what we have done, because of how we have grown as a club. And we needed to raise ourselves to this level. And let's make no bones about it. Yesterday was an opportunity. Yesterday was a City side that didn't have De Bruyne, that didn't have Rodri, and that played with an experimental midfield, of course. But don't let that and anyone take away from what Arsenal achieved yesterday because you still went up against world-class players hand over fist. Ridiculous amounts of money invested in that squad. And do not take away what Arsenal were able to do. And not only what Arsenal were able to do, not only that, but without some key players of their own. And we have to kick off, of course, with the news that broke before kickoff that Bakaya Saka, despite loads of reports, despite strong suggestions that Bakaya Saka would indeed play a part in yesterday's game, it was the decision that he was not involved. I can only assume that those reports that we discussed on the show were originating from the hypothesis that because he was with the squad and because he was travelling with the squad, that that would mean that he would be in some part involved in the game. Because he was with the team yesterday morning, he was walking around as the team did their morning walk with the squad, and he wasn't there. And he wasn't in the team. And about 20 minutes before kickoff, it started to leak out that, that he wasn't going to be involved. And I have to be honest, at that point, my heart sank. My expectations went through the floor. And I felt inside the Emirates that it was a real nervy feel. It was almost as if the crowd, to some extent, had kind of accepted that without Saka, like the chances of us prevailing were incredibly small. I've never been to a game that was so huge and felt that the Emirates crowd knew that as much as they did. The Champions League return was one of the best atmospheres before a game that we won comfortably and should win comfortably. The Manchester United game was an unbelievable atmosphere before it kicked off. I know the North London derby as well was a game where beforehand it was an unbelievable feeling inside the Emirates. And it has been for a lot of this season. But yesterday, the crowd before the game and as the players came out, and even after North London Forever had been sung, there was a real sense of nervousness and, I guess, self-doubt that we were going to be able to do it. And, you know, I, I wish it wasn't like that, but it was. Um, and... It was a really strange, eerie silence at times before kickoff. But then the game started and Arsenal came out and they played and they played well and they suffocated City and they restricted a tactical decision by Guardiola to try and control things and to go long when they could. And Arsenal just dealt with it. Gabriel and Saliba, will talk about them shortly, dealt with it. Haaland was quiet as anything. And we're going to kind of go in reverse order and, and lead with our headline act. But before we do, there was an incident in the first half, two incidents, in fact, that probably should have changed everything, should have changed everything about that game. And it could have gone very differently had the right decision by Michael Oliver and the subsequent VAR check been made. How Kovacic 
was still on the field at half time, beyond half time, because I think Pep Guardiola was mad to keep him on, if I'm honest. I don't know why he decided to keep him on as long as he did, but he did. But Kovacic's tackle on Odegaard is horrendous. It's it's injury risking. It studs down into the player's ankle. It's like we're having to wait until someone's leg breaks before we start making decisions about red cards. And not only is this a red card offence, but moments later, he slides in on Declan Rice and again catches the player's ankle with his studs. He should have been off. He should have two red cards in the same game and somehow has avoided that. And the referee completely bottled it. Michael Oliver completely bottled the decision, I assume because in fear of you know the whole ruining of a, of a big game. I think that the the treble winner's uh, aura is the only reason that Kovacic sends off. Make no bones about it. If Kovacic was wearing an Arsenal shirt and this did it and this happened the other way around, then he would have been sent off. I'm almost certain of that. But the weight of that treble winning shirt gets you certain perks. And I think that not wanting to win, not wanting to ruin games is probably what it was. But sometimes it doesn't matter. It was a clear red card. Um, and it was a horrendous, horrendous decision by Michael Oliver and by the VAR. There won't be an apology. Do not expect an apology um, for this one. Do not expect it because Arsenal won the game. If Arsenal hadn't have won the game, who knows? Maybe there would have been some recompense. Who knows? We'll have to, we won't know. But because Arsenal won, there was no, there's no question marks really because Arsenal won anyway. But yeah, don't expect that. Anyway, let's talk about the positives. Let's talk about some really good things because... Gabriel Martinelli, in the absence of, of Saka, came on at half-time with what was revealed to be an injury, actually, to Trossard. That's the reason why Trossard was taken off. I didn't think Trossard had a great game. I thought he was probably one of our weakest outfield players. Um, and I was quite happy to see Martinelli come on for him at half-time. But as soon as Martinelli came on, the energy just went up a different level. The energy raised. The energy just elevated to, to, to Carl Walker suddenly having kind of... Um, a responsibility to get back and to defend and, and to not feel so comfortable and needing to use his pace. And at times I was worried that uh, Martinelli's hamstring was going to do him because the amount of running he did. Let's forget the goal for a second. Martinelli's recovery runs time and time again, fighting back for his team. It was great to be able to have that type of pace and recovery speed coming off the bench. He had a terrific performance, absolutely terrific display in the second half. And to end it off with a goal, that wins the game against City is absolutely apt and so appropriate for what we have come to expect from this player. Energy, spice, um, and a killer instinct at times. And yes, he got a little bit, yes, he got a little bit lucky. Um, and it's always nice when a, a ball comes off a player's face. Arsenal have had some, some great history. I think back to Emi Martinez last season. But Nathan Ake, thank you very much. I like Nathan Ake as a player. I've got nothing against him. Um, but just seeing the ball cannon off his face and into the back of the net, there's something just so rewarding, you know, that we have been, we feel like a bit of a punching bag when we play City. And we feel like that we have been jammed in the face over and over and over again when we've played against City. So to see us land a blow, and land a jab in the face that then goes in uh, to win you the game. It was almost uh, poetic uh, that that happened. Um, and so I was very, very pleased 
uh, that if you're going to school, that it happened that way. And not only that, but Kai Havertz delivers. Kai Havertz lays the ball off to Gabriel Martinelli. And that's two goal contributions in two games for Kai Havertz. Um, oh, I'm so happy that it was him. I'm so happy that it was him that laid the ball off. So, so pleased. That will, that, forget penalties, forget pity penalties and whatever, you know, critics want to use to try and bury Havertz even in a really good moment for him. Um, but Kai Havertz has, has to, to get that moment to, to do the right thing. And this is the thing, this is the thing that Havertz has been doing. This isn't a surprise. This isn't a one-off thing. Havertz has this thing in his game, in his style, that he likes just laying the ball off. He likes little layoffs. He likes looking for his teammates. He likes trying to find uh, opportunities to give the ball to, to players that maybe will be a little bit more dynamic and direct. And he makes good decisions when he's on the ball at times. And as decisions go, uh, it was it was brilliant. Um, I told you I will not be singing the song until the end of the season. That that is when that is when the the song will be sung if we win the league, and only when we win the league. You will get your chorus. You will get it. Don't worry. But we've got to win the league. You can't be getting these things in early. Cannot be happening. William Saliba and Gabriel though pocketed Erling Haaland, Julian Alvarez, and uh, Phil Foden and Doku and uh, whoever else they tried to bring on to change the game. Um, and actually, what was really interesting, I thought, about the substitutions from City in the second half was that when Doku came on, he initially started on the right-hand side and Foden went to the left-hand side. And I, in my mind, that was like, OK, they're going to start peppering the box with balls for, for Haaland. You've got your right footer to cross in, your left footer to cross in on their more comfortable, natural sides, right for right, left for left. And we just, just didn't bother us. Ben White dealt with things really well on the right. Tommy Asu came on and, and did really, really well on the left. And I liked Zinchenko's performance, but I think Tommy Asu came on and, and held things really importantly for us. But the two in the middle, Gabriel and, and Saliba. <laughs> uh, yeah, just Saliba in particular. There was a moment in the first half where Saliba just bodied Haaland. <laughs> just bodied him <laughs> just stopped him from from having any kind of impact and i tell you what i was sit, standing in the mix zone after the game speaking to martinelli and actually you can read some of those quotes uh after uh, around midday today and um erling harland came out just miserable he was hood up sulking walking to the city coach he was miserable and it's because he didn't get anything. He wasn't allowed a shot on goal all game. Those Arsenal fans who captained Erlen Haaland in their fantasy teams, shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> I didn't. I got a good 10 points off Ollie Watkins this week. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of Saliba's performance, just glorious. And Ben White um, as well. I should mention Ben White specifically because... Uh, he really did help shut down uh, that right-hand side. Really strong performance. Because White's performances this season, there's been a few question marks. Um, there's been a few question marks about uh, Ben White's, uh, I think, compared to the other defenders in the team. He's had some good displays. But there's been some questions, I think, about Ben White. And today, re or yesterday, really, really strong performance from him. So very, very happy indeed with with the defensive line, uh, including Zinchenko and Tommy Asu. 
But when you want to go into the market and sign a player that's going to take you up a level, you've got to go and beat Man City on the pitch, yes, but you've got to beat him in the market as well. How this game could have been so very different if it was a different shirt colour that Declan Rice was wearing. These are the performances where I get so sick and tired of having to debate who's a better player, Party or Rice. Who cares? No one cares. No one cares who's better. We've got both of them. Enjoy having both of them. And Declan Rice has levelled this team up. Declan Rice has taken things to an absolutely new stratosphere. And he's, he's uh, imposing himself on that midfield. The job that he does, the way in which he intercepts the passes, the, the, the kind of the the congesting of, of, a, of a Man City team that he can bring. You can kind of like bottleneck City at times, but you need someone to be the stopper. And Declan Rice is the stopper. Him and, and Jorginho, and Jorginho deserves a special mention as well um, because both of them in, the did a, in midfield did a really good job. Partey came on and then helped, uh, you know, press the advantage as much as we could with, with Rice as well. Um, but Declan Rice is just that guy that takes things up and up and up and levels things up for us. Um, and we have needed a guy like him ever since, you have to say, you know, since the Invincible era, we have lacked um, a player that's as reliable, that can play as many games and that can play them to that level. And we have, we've missed a player like that for a very, very long time. And, and we've got two of them really with Partey as well. And I just look forward to seeing that partnership hopefully thrive. And that when we come back after the international break, that Rice and Partey will be the midfield pairing to help Arsenal really control games, to help Arsenal really grab hold of what we want and control them and, and uh, lead to a point where the big chances start to flow more. We've always talked about a lack of big chances being created, but I do believe that it has to start from the foundations. And if you've got a player like Rice and a player like Party together, you've got that foundation to start building from. Um but yeah, Declan Rice, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Small, small, slight criticism. I have to be balanced. I have to stay balanced. I have to talk about the negatives as well as the positives. I, I really, really was worried about David Raya this game, especially in the first half. Second half, it was much better, much, much better. Controlled his box, really good punching balls out, really good collecting balls. From crosses in the second half. Second half performance, great. But oh, what was he doing in the first? Oh, it was so scary. So, so scary. Um, the Julian Alvarez moment, some of the passes. Oh, it was, yeah, really, really, really scared me. Really, really scared me. Um, Rare's performance in the first half. I'm not going to turn this into a, oh, well, Ramsdale should have played because I don't want to get into that. It's just, it's important to talk about where we can improve. And I just felt as though that Raya at times was um, a little late. And I know that Arteta came out after the game and said that there was instructions to Raya about playing in a certain way. But that's not an excuse to do those things. You know, you if the ball cannons in off, um, if the ball cannons in off, off Julian Alvarez, this game's suddenly very different. And those people that are turning around defending Raya in this moment say, well, Arteta told him to play that way. No, 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 no. No, you're instructed to play a certain way, yes, but you also have to have the common sense and the assuredness and the composure to make the right decisions. So that's really important. So don't give players just a free pass because they've been told to play a certain way in this sense because you still have to rate them, make the right choices. Second half, excellent. 
Second half, really, really good. Commanded his box, punches from the box, controlling uh, um, crosses that came in uh, and dealt with that really, really well. And the passing and distribution was a lot better in the second half as well. So first half, questions. Second half, much, much better. So yeah, I, I needed to raise that because it was something that I noticed on the day. Um, so I had to do that. Uh, oh, we'll go to the table in a second. Don't worry. But Mikel Arteta, let's talk about the manager, the genius, the man, the myth, the legend that is Mikel Arteta. <laughs> oh, my mentions. My mentions are filled with his critics <laughs> so long ago and even up to yesterday. Um, but he got it absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. He was so, so good in managing, in preparing for this game, in um, delivering a lineup that had to deal with the fact that we wouldn't have Saka, that Martinelli wasn't there to start, that Partey wasn't there to start. And he was brave and he threw Nketiah in and he threw Jorginho in. And the meltdown before kickoff, even from me, you know, I was saying, oh, my expectations have gone through the floor. You know, I, I, I was worried. I didn't need to be. Arteta got it absolutely spot on. His approach to the game, the way in which he tactically kind of, kind of countered everything that City were offering. They prepared for this game perfectly. And they responded to that midweek disappointment as well. And it's his first win in the league over Man City and over Pep Guardiola. And it's been a long time coming. A really, really long time coming. I talk about his in-game management. I discuss the, the worries I've had with his in-game management. My goodness, did he get it spot on yesterday. Substitutions were perfect. Absolutely perfect. Zinni was getting a little bit overrun by Carl Walker on the right-hand side. Bring on Tommy Asu. Shut that down. Stop that from happening. Stop them from gaining a bit of an advantage on the right. Tommy Asu, brilliant. And by the way, Tommy Asu <laughs> popping up on the edge of the box on the long run, long ball. <laughs> Amazing. I spoke to Tommy Asu after the game against PSV. Uh, we didn't uh, end up using some of the quotes in any pieces anyway uh, because we ended up talking to um, David Raya that night. So that took a lot of the, the attention. But I spoke to Tommy Asu after the... Um, the PSV game, and we were in that discussion with Tommy. One of the things that he turned around and said was, "Is I'm not Zinchenko." And we were talking about and asking him questions about kind of this role and about playing on the right, left, and compared to the right. And you know, he's he's going to be rotating with um, Zinni at times, and how does that change for him? And he just, you know, his, his English is is still limited, and so he's he's limited to certain lengths of answers. But he. He just said, I'm not Zinchenko. But what I would say is that he's not. He's right. He's not Zinchenko. He won't do the same things as Zinchenko. But I don't see Zinchenko running up to the end of the field and heading the ball back to Havertz, who then lays it off to Martinelli to score. What a run by Tommy. Absolutely fantastic. But yeah, the substitutions from Arteta, he got spot on. Havertz going up top. When Havertz was like stripping off to get ready to come on the field, I was just praying that it was to be up top for Nketiah. I thought Nketiah was was good. I thought he ran them really, really long. He battled hard. Um, and yes, he had that chance, which he kind of hit wide, sure. Um, he's not going to come out of this game with people, you know, lauding Nketiah. But I thought Nketiah did well, similar to the Man United game, in which out of, you know, just, just doing what you need to do in certain moments. Um, and off the ball, 
pressing and, and things like this. I thought he was good. But I was praying that Havertz was going to come on as a centre forward. And he, and he did. And as soon as that happened, along with um, uh, who was the third substitution with, with Havertz? Uh, Partey. And when Partey came on as well, again, it kind of pressed home that advantage. The right time for the substitutions, we'd kind of held out. Not held out, that's the wrong way to put it because we controlled things so well. We'd managed the game up until the point of those three subs uh, very, very well. And it was then that we kind of sniffed blood and had to press home the advantage. And those three changes did that. They offered us a target at centre-forward. They offered us control in the midfield and athleticism. And they offered us something a little bit more defensively astute at left-back. And those three changes were integral to why Arsenal won the game yesterday. We should have won it anyway, because we should have been up against 10 men for most of the game and probably would have won more comfortably. But very, very, very happy with his decision-making. Very, very happy with the lineup decision. And he got it just so utterly and entirely spot on. Uh, happy, happy days. Happy days. And that, of course, leaves the table looking like this. Yes, the luckiest team in the league sit in first place. I'd love to have played Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton as well. I guess those games will come for us. And instead, it'll be Spurs having to play against Man City and going away to Palace and, you know, playing these difficult fixtures away at Everton. You know, I, I guess though those games will come for Spurs as well. And, and we'll get to play against the relegation fodder at some stage but uh, and get really lucky with a VAR call against Liverpool. My goodness me. Uh, you know, those games will come for us. We'll, we'll have that luck too. But we're still, despite that luck that we are going up against, uh, joint top on 20 points uh, after eight games. Manchester City, two points behind us now. How after that <laughs> draw against Spurs? The league's over. Title's over. Forget about it. We ain't going for titles, people. We ain't going. We're not there. We're not on the level. City are too big. City are too good. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, we're two points out of City, three points out of uh, Liverpool. Again, a side that I was told were just going to be too good this season for Arsenal. Aston Villa um, got that 1-1 uh, against... Um, who was it against? Who did they draw 1-1 against? Um, can't remember now. Someone. Someone's going to put it in the chat. Um, Brighton, of course, drew with Liverpool. A really exciting game, end-to-end -end stuff. Perfect result for Arsenal. 1-1 with Brighton and Liverpool. Um and then Newcastle United also drawing with West Ham. Another couple of points dropped with them. Just widening the gap to those kind of mid-Wolves. Thank you. Yes, Wolves was the team that, uh, that Aston Villa drew with 1-1. Um, but uh, very, very happy indeed with where we sit, where we are. Um, and we have Chelsea next. And Chelsea have kind of turned things around. Uh, they've, they've got a couple of wins under their belt. You know, they've beaten Fulham quite comfortably, who were terrible. They beat Burnley, who are terrible <laughs> so now they're going to come up against an Arsenal side that aren't terrible and let's wait and see what Arsenal can do with Saka back hopefully with Partey from the start with Martinelli from the start Arsenal are going to get back all of their big guns for that game at Stamford Bridge I can't wait I can't wait for that game um, the international break I think comes at a perfect time for Arsenal you know we've really needed this break we really need the opportunity for those players um, to to kind of get that rest if needed. Saka's not going to be playing for England. Martinelli's not playing for Brazil. Partey has been called up, but let's just kind of wait and see what happens with him. Saliba's not playing for France. 
Um, supposedly, he played with a bit of an injury yesterday, and he's going to get a rest over the international break as well. We're going to get this really nice um, kind of boost over the period as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Right, let's go to part two and tackle some of your thoughts and questions right after this. Hello, listener. Is it me you're looking for? As brands, we're always wanting to make a connection to find the person you can rely on, the one that's there every week, month, or year, and always has your back when you need them the most. It's a little like matchmaking, don't you think? With ACAST podcast ads, you can filter for your exact dream audience so you can find the ideal customer for your business. The Romeo to your Juliet, the Rachel to your Ross, the Bert to your Ernie, and avoid those red flags and time wasters. Your ads can communicate with them in the most intimate way possible. A one-on-one conversation, a chance meeting in the gym, or a coffee shop. So go on, give it a try. With over hundreds of thousands of listens a month, your person is probably here. Get closer to your audience. Make podcast ads with Acast. Head to go.acast.com to get started. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That is pretty, isn't it? That is that is very, very pretty. What a pretty shirt that is. Gabriel Martinelli. Happy days. Happy days. Right. Let's jump into the chat book, shall we? And uh, and go through some of these guys. Uh, Thomas says, Tom, you're a good omen. You have to go to every game. Sorry, it's just what needs to be done. Oh, it's such a it's such a a, a chore though, Thomas. To, it's such a chore, isn't it? Um, but yes, the only games I've missed so far this season uh, were Fulham and Spurs. And they're the two games in which Arsenal dropped points. So, yes. Uh, sadly, I have to inform you that I won't be at the Chelsea game because our Chelsea writer will be at Stamford Bridge instead. So let's hope that this this is not a bad omen, <laughs> that I won't be there at Stamford Bridge. But fingers crossed. Uh, it will be fine, hopefully. Um, as she says, hi, Tom. Are you worried about Trossard's form and confidence? He's been getting chances ahead of Smith, Rowe and Nelson, yet unable to produce performances, especially when we need it. What's your take? I was a little bit disappointed with Trossard yesterday. I wrote it in my winners and losers piece. Um, yeah, I was disappointed with Trossard's display. Am I worried? Not yet. Not yet. No, I do think he's done some good things. That PSV display was excellent from him, and I know that that's what he is capable of. So, no, I'm not yet worried about Trossard, but it's certainly, certainly in my mind. Um, Paul says, Tom, do we need cover for Saka? Jesus is already a perfect fit. Yes, Paul. Yes, we do. Yes, we do need some competition for Bukayo Saka. Uh, Dan says, Tom, do you think the expectation of this season has created some more toxicity amongst some fans? I've had to stop listening to a channel I like because it's always so negative towards players that's a shame but it's, it's down to you what you would like to watch and what you don't want to watch I think there's a difference between criticism and negativity I think you can spot the difference between what someone who is negative and what someone who is critical is and it tends to be 
you know, a really good way of spotting that is when something goes well, but they don't tend to give the credit to those that deserve it. So that's a really good tell. But I think the expectations have definitely raised the, the kind of the, the the raising of the expectations of last season has certainly increased the the volatility of Arsenal fans. It's increased the reactionary kind of takes that we've seen um, after certain games. Like the Fulham game was an outright meltdown. The North London derby was an outright meltdown. Um, the Lalonde's game created a far greater reaction than it, than it ever needed to. Um, and so, yes, I think last season has raised those expectations to a, a kind of absolutely crazy level. But uh, it's only because we want and believe that this team can win a title and we think that it is capable of doing that. So, yes, I do think that you're probably right. Uh, Culture Marks says, Tom, what do you think of Danny Murphy's comments about the ref on match of the day? And who was your outstanding player of the game? Great show. I've not seen his comments um, because I've not yet watched. I've got match of the day recorded. I got home at about 10 o'clock last night, finished off my piece for the morning. Um, but let me have a look. Uh, uh, see if I can find any quotes online. Murphy. Shumata, Danny Murphy thinks the referee made a good decision. Oh, I don't need to watch that. <laughs> I don't need to watch Danny Murphy try and justify that refereeing decision. It was horrific. Um, what do I think? I think he's very, very wrong. Uh, Dan says, hi, Tom. How do you explain Martinelli receiving two yellow cards for a run of play, but Kovacic not for a dangerous foul by the ref, Mike Oliver? I can't explain it. It's as simple as that, mate. I can't explain it. Uh, Byron says, why are City fans so salty? There's a sense of entitlement is aggravating, especially when half of them are glory-riding fake fans who will get their Chelsea and United kits out of the cupboard again very soon. Um, I'd hate to... I'd hate to point fingers and say that Man City fans are fake, but sadly, I have witnessed it myself. On the way to the Community Shield, I don't think I've told this story. On the way to the Community Shield, I was walking down Wembley Way, and this guy on his own was wearing a City shirt, and this Arsenal fan who was quite drunk um, was kind of chanting uh, something along the lines of, uh, you only live around the corner, um, and... The City fan stopped and approached him and actually had a bit of a joke with him and said, you know what? Yeah, I just like winning. And I couldn't, I had never seen that before. I'd never seen a fan openly admit to someone who was giving them stick uh, that, yeah, I just, I support them because they're really good and they and they win games. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. So yeah, they're a guy from London, just is now a Man City fan. And, you know, some people are like that, I guess. You know, I, I can't necessarily batter someone who's so openly and honest about that but there are a lot of Man City fans who are um, and have ridden the wave of of success that they've had it's just the reality of the situation but um, they're so salty because they're used to winning you know they're used to getting what they want they're used to coming away from results from the Emirates with a win let them be salty I don't care I think it was great they played terrible they were terrible it wasn't just like oh they were missing key players so you know, it was like, you know, it didn't have Rodri. They didn't have De Bruyne. They had an amazing team out. And Arsenal controlled them. Arsenal had them on a bit of a leash, you know, throughout the game and, and really genuinely um, were able to to secure those three points in, in quite uh, assured fashion in the end. Yes, it was late, but we deserved it. And Arsenal were only the team in that game that deserved to win. Um, 
Mad G says, if you had to make a decision now, would you activate the 30 million option and buy Raya? No. Is it bad that I'd say no? Right now, I wouldn't. Right now, I need to see more from Raya. I think I, they will activate the option, but right now, I wouldn't. Um, I don't think that's too controversial either. I just, I just, I wouldn't activate the option at the moment. It's, it's still very early. I've not made my conclusion on Raya, so I'm not going to say yes because that's quite a big conclusion. I just wouldn't activate it yet. I would wait and see. Um, Cody says, uh, Tom, this clearly means our centre-back pairing is the best in the league, right? We absolutely shut down all of City's attacks. Without a, without a doubt, we have the best centre-back pairing in the league. Again, that's credit to the club for the recruitment and the renewal of contracts and, of course, the coaching of Saliba and Gabriel as well. Um, Jalali says, Arteta has taken himself to another level after that performance. Subs and his half-time team talk were top draw. Again, it's, you know, we talk about Arteta, we, we criticise where we think criticism is deserved. And some of that has come from in-game decisions. Arteta got it spot on and Arteta got everything right yesterday. Um, let's go to Josh says, Hi, Tom, did you see the video of Carl Walker complaining and getting into a bit of a scuffle at the end of the match? I know that Nicholas Yover, I think, was the guy involved. I didn't see it personally. I've heard about it. Um, <laughs> it's funny. You know, let them get annoyed. It shows that we really rattled them. We really, really rattled them. Um, and we played them perfectly. Uh, John says, the BBC coverage said that Man City had just four shots in this match. It's the fewest shots a Pep Guardiola side has had in a top-flight game since April 2010 with Barcelona against Espanyol, in which they also had four shots. What an incredible stat that is. That's a brilliant piece of stats, John. Um, you know, we some people say they don't really like stats, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, that certainly was very, 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 very revealing. And I just, yeah, we, we suffocated them. Really, really good. Uh, CJ Dan says, this Raya criticism is stupid. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous to turn around and say that people that have got a criticism of a player that, that, let's be honest, was worthy of criticism in the first half is stupid. That's a ridiculous comment. A player made a mistake in the first half. And it's like, it's like saying it's okay to criticise Kai Havertz, who has made a mistake like he did against the Man United, you know. And I'm, I'm guessing people like yourself, CJ, were very, very happy and, and open and easy to go and batter Kai Havertz after he gave the ball away that led to Man United's goal. But suddenly it's not okay that when Raya makes a mistake, that that can't be criticised. There's, there's such a level of hypocrisy within the Arsenal fan base at times that some players can be fine to be criticised and battered and abused but when it comes to another player, you know, um, that's outed someone like Ramsdale, I don't really get the dislike towards Ramsdale from some. It's really odd behaviour. Um, the first half from Raya wasn't good enough and it deserved criticism. Um, it, it deserved criticism. It's not stupid. It's really, really not the right word to use. This guy, people that want to just lay, like just if, they, if you want to criticize, you can criticize, but it's just got to be consistent. So let's not be hypocritical. You know, Raya in the first half was not good enough. Second half, excellent. Excellent controlling his box. Really good display from Raya in the second half. It's not stupid to criticize somebody that deserves criticism. In the same way, it's not stupid to criticize Havertz for his mistake against Man United. It's just about consistency. That's what's needed. 
Um, Sam says every player needs to be criticized when they make a mistake, but we need to keep it at the same level. Absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent is all about making sure you have consistency. You can't be expected to be perfect, I get that, but to turn around and call criticism stupid after the level that people like Havertz have faced, I just find odd. Uh, Stephen says, not to point fingers after such a result, but are you feeling at this moment in time Enketia isn't just offering much up top? Uh, no, I disagree with this. I think Enketia did a very similar performance to what he had against Man United. Didn't contribute a goal or assist, which I think obviously the more tangible things that you expect from a centre-forward. But ultimately, I think you know, in terms of service, it wasn't exactly like we were peppering him with opportunities. He had a great spin to create that shot in the first half, created that chance out of, of near nothing. Um, I think his performance is getting overly... Uh, criticised just because it wasn't, you know, if there's, he did more than Haaland. For me, he did more than Haaland yesterday. Um, Haaland didn't even have an attempt on goal yesterday. So, you know, I don't think it's to do with Nketiah. It's just Nketiah is not going to be the striker for me that takes Arsenal to the title. But there is an irony that Arsenal did manage to beat City with a, in a game that Nketiah started. So, you know, it's very, very different. Um, Dan says, it's the, you cannot convince me he is a good keeper. You cannot convince me that he's better than Ramsdale. Ramsdale has made mistakes and both aren't above criticism, but it's gone too far on Raya. This is a great comment, Dan. It is. I feel like there's in some senses that people set their stools out on certain players. It's the same with Havertz. It's been the same with people like Odegaard when he first came in. And it's like when Odegaard first came in, the player that he uh, replaced was, was Ozil. And Ozil had this cult following um, world-class player, world-class ability, but there are loads of question marks about Ozil's tenure at the club and in terms of his, on the footballing side of things, there was loads of question marks about his contributions in big games. And Odegaard came in and because he was the guy that took over from Ozil, Odegaard then faced this, doesn't matter what he does, I'm going to set my stall out and never, ever pivot away from it. Well, Odegaard's made those people look a little bit silly now. And Havertz hopefully will do that as well with the people that are, setting their stall out very, very early on him. And then the Raya thing is really odd because, you know, it's it's interesting that there's kind of this toxic, positive defense of, of Raya and that there's almost like this real battering of Ramsdale. Ramsdale's not deserved criticism for me really this season. People pointing to the mistake against Fulham, but I thought he was really unlucky against Fulham. And people were very quick to point the finger for that Andreas Pereira goal against Fulham and then decide to completely forget that if it wasn't for Aaron Ramsdale, Adama Traore would have scored that one-on-one -on -one at the end of that game. But no one talks about that. No one talks about the one-on-one -on -one stop that he made against Traore. Everyone's so busy pointing fingers at the apparent mistake, which I don't even personally think was an error on his part. I think it's a really fluky goal from Andreas Pereira. Um, but no one talks about the one-on-one -on -one save that Ramsdale made that that kept us in that game, you know. And he was brilliant against Brentford. Think about the save that he made to keep us in the cup. You know, people are desperate for us to go and win that trophy in some cases. Well, go and be thankful that Ramsdale is the reason that we're still in that tournament. So it's really odd that the, ne the necessity to batter Ramsdale and the necessity to, to kind of strive that Raya's perfect. They're both, I think, keepers of a very similar level. And that's a very good level. They're both very good goalkeepers. Why can't we always, why do we have to create sides? Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't we just say that both have got their weaknesses, both have got their strengths, and both of them are great? And both of them will offer Arsenal plenty of positives when they start and when they make mistakes, 
we should focus on that and we should talk about that. We should talk about the fact that Ramsdale has made errors. We should talk about the fact that he, there's a little bit of uncertainty about Ramsdale's in goal. You feel as though there's maybe a mistake in him. We should talk about the fact that Raya's distribution has not been anywhere near as good as what we thought it was going to be. But that his collections from crosses and his calmness with the ball in the air has been absolutely outstanding. I just find it really odd. I get, you know, footballistically and footballification of lots of topics is that it's the nature of a football fan to choose a side. It's just, it's what makes football what it is. We all want to support somebody because we all support one team. And in some senses, it's almost like we have to choose a side in different things. Why? I My comment section was filled with people in the summer having to debate why have we bought rice? We've got Partey. Partey's way better than rice. What are you talking about? Rice is a £105 million player with Premier League experience. He's going to transform things. Partey is, is washed up and we need to move from him. These are the types of debates that went on in the chat. Why can't we just have, we've got two world-class centre mids. Arsenal got two of the best centre midfielders in the league. And it's brilliant that we've got that. It is, as Dan says, it's the you cannot convince me is a good keeper. And you cannot convince me that he's better than Ramsdale. It's these types of comments that you see. It's just, for me, ridiculous to start labelling criticisms of a player that are fair as stupid. And it's unfair to then not take into account the, the, the positives that somebody else might bring in a scenario when somebody else falters. That's fine. We've done it with Havertz. We've done it with Enketia. We've done it with Odegaard in the past. We've done it with Ben White when he first came in. We've done it with Gabriel. My goodness me, Gabriel Magalhaes used to be the biggest scapegoat in this Arsenal team. There was a period at the start of, I think it was last season, where Gabriel Magalhaes was suddenly becoming this, this lightning rod of criticism. How quickly that has fallen away. How quickly Gabriel Magalhaes is now lauded for being one of the best centre-backs in the league. He's always been one of the best centre-backs in the league for me. But there was this period where it was like, no, we need to find better than him. You know, was it uh, what morons were calling him saying he had, what was the words? Uh, was it a bozo gene? I think I saw people tweeting. I mean, who's coining that phrase? What morons doing that? You know, and it's like this, this necessity to try and find these quips to batter players with, you know, that people can then latch upon uh, in this environment and go for. Gabriel Magalhaes is one of the most um scapegoated players for a long period of time and he's moved on to be um a really key player uh you can bore off and get lost right uh let's go to sorry just people in the comments making silly comments uh trevor says Havertz and raya judged by fans after a couple of games learn and judge after lengthy games and that's why when someone asked me would i activate raya's uh dave was it you i think um would I, no was it dave was it Marcus? It was somebody. Um, someone asked, Anyway, someone asked me, would I activate the buyout clause in Raya's contracts? And the answer is no right now because I'm not making a conclusion yet. I'm not making um, that decision yet. I need to see more. I need to wait. I need to see what happens throughout the course of the season. We've got this option. We've not committed that 30 million yet. We don't need to commit that 30 million yet. We can just wait. We can just see what happens. So let's let's wait and see what happens. Uh, Michael says, lovely win yesterday. Love the show. Mikey, thank you, Mikey. Much appreciate your time. It was Matt G. Sorry, it was Matt G. I knew it was one of our, uh, our esteemed uh, long-term listeners. Uh, thank you, Matt. Um, Sabro says he's improved. His concentration is twice the player that he was now. Uh, Massimo says, Raya started nervously but grew into it. There were no issues in the second half. He was brilliant in the second half. I absolutely agree. Arsenal Adventure says, Gabriel has those moments where he loses concentration but he has been immense this season since he has been regular 
after the first three games. Yeah, again, he wasn't there in the first three games. And think about how he's responded to being out of the side from those first three games. He has been absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Mikey says, make your screen bigger. But I just don't... Why are you desperate to see my ugly mug? I don't mind doing that. <laughs> um, but we're in the Q&A section. Um, Paul says, I think Gabriel uh, just was waiting for a partner. Great we got Saliba back from his loan spells as well. You know, Gabriel has had to play alongside some, you know, some questionable players at Arsenal. Your Mustafis, your Socrates, your uh, Rob Holdings, you know. Players that just are not on the same level as William Saliba. And now you've partnered that level of... Um, now we've partnered that level of uh, quality with someone as, I think, industrious and combative as, as what Gabriel is. That's where we see the difference. So, yeah, perfect stuff. Justice says, I told you we were going to win. <laughs> Justice, if you can just keep saying that before every game, mate, I would very much appreciate it. Um, let's go to Hamza says, honestly, I can't remember the last time Gabriel made a mistake just because he had some hot-headed moments like two years ago. There's some belief amongst other fans that Gabriel is somehow error-prone. He does have an error in him. Like, he does make some mistakes. You know, that's not a wild accusation. Gabriel has made some errors. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, he is, is far, far, far more good than bad. Um, Mr. Reese says, there's over 1,500 of you watching and only 340 likes. Come on, stroke or rub, just hit that like button. It's a real big emphasis there on stroking or rubbing the like button. You just need to press it. You don't, you don't do any of that stuff. We're not in the red light district of... Uh, well, I suppose we kind of are, actually, yes. Uh, <laughs> for, of Arsenal podcast. Uh, Mark says, Tom, do you think Havertz could be a better option in the nine over Eddie? Ideally, I would prefer Jesus there, of course, uh, than on the right wing. I yeah, For me, Mark, it goes Jesus, Havertz, Eddie. I'd rather see Havertz playing at centre-forward. I've said that for quite some time. I think that's the better place to use him. If not, it's got to be just off of the striker rather than in that midfield role. I'd love to see Havertz play more up top. I think it would just bring a lot more to the team. Uh, Rand says, do you think Martinelli, Havertz, Jesus is the good front three to rest Saka? I really like the three yesterday. Yes, again, I absolutely agree. Viraj says, how transformational would Timber be in this team? Can't wait to see him back. Agreed. I did see him yesterday after the game. A quick little, how are you feeling? And he was like, yeah, feeling uh, improving. So, yeah, that's that's good. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back in the new year, but probably quite some way into the new year. March at the very earliest is is our prediction models are telling us right now. So, yeah, let's just, just wait and see what happens. Um, Dave says that means we need to upgrade on Ellie. Eddie, sorry, Ellie. <laughs> and the thing is, Dave, we do. We do need to upgrade on Eddie and Ketia. But the problem is, is that we don't need to upgrade on Eddie specifically. We need to upgrade on Jesus. We need to upgrade on Jesus, and then Jesus becomes the upgrade of Eddie. So this is why I'm not really for the Ivan Tony situation, because Ivan Tony for me, doesn't start over Jesus, and Jesus would be the upgrade of Eddie. So bring in a player that we think can either already overtake Jesus, or bring in a player that can grow and develop into somebody that's going to be even better than Jesus. Um, Byron says, will Arteta ever use Smith-Rowe again? I would have started him on the left yesterday over Trossard. I fear for the future of Smith-Rowe. Uh, I mean, he used him in the last two, three, three games? Three of the last four? No, other than City, he's used him against Lawns. He used him against uh, Brentford. And he used him against Bournemouth. And he, we have seen him in those three games, which I think are three from four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, three of the last four games he has played in. 
So it's the whole, will he ever use him again? He has used him. Started him in one of the last four games. He's brought him on in two of the last four games. Is he going to bring him on in that City game? Probably not. No, there, there wasn't really a, a place for Smith Rowe coming off the bench yesterday. Fabio Vieira, you know, a, a player that Arteta has really lent on this season, didn't come off the bench yesterday. So if Vieira's not coming off the bench, Smith Rowe's not coming off the bench. Um, but it was interesting that Havertz, you know, was lent on and ultimately was pivotal in Arsenal winning. So, yeah, very. I love the fact that Havertz is the guy that got the assists. That is just so, so rewarding. So rewarding for those people that have not battered the guy, not said that we should sell him already because had we have sold Havertz, maybe we didn't win that game yesterday because maybe the player that's on the ball where Havertz is there doesn't lay it off to Martinelli. But that is in Havertz's style. It's in his DNA to be looking around and trying to find the players to be in a better position than he is. And he did that. So all the people that haven't been saying that Havertz needs to be sold, all those people that have been saying that he's not a waste of space and that he needs time and that he needs to grow and he needs to be given an opportunity to bed in and grow in confidence. It's fine to have concerns. I've had concerns. And I've told people that you're fine to have concerns. But to those people that have written the guy off already, and as we've been talking about with certain players that have set their stool out at a certain level, I'm sorry, but Havertz really turned around and delivered yesterday. And some people need to hold their hands up in that sense and be like, I'm sorry that I said that he should have been sold because had he had been sold, had we have done what I wanted Arsenal to do and sold him after a few games, we would not have had Havertz in that position to then help us get our first win against Manchester City since 2015. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. Really appreciate your time, as always. Please do drop a, drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you're not done talking about Arsenal Man City, we are going to be live on the Arsenal way at 10 in just over an hour's time. I wish you a fantastic week. I wish you a brilliant international break. I'll, of course, be back every single morning at 8am, bright and early, to bring you all the latest Arsenal news and updates from, and of course, over this international break. But for me, for the first time in quite a long time, I'm happy that this break is here. I'm happy that Arsenal will be pushed to one side. I think we need it. I think the players need it. And I think we're going to get some really important rests before we come back to play against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and hopefully continue on this journey to wherever it might lead. Drop a like, subscribe, have a fantastic day, stay safe, stay well, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, listener. Is it me you're looking for? As brands, we're always wanting to make a connection, to find the person you can rely on, the one that's there every week, month, or year, and always has your back when you need them the most. It's a little like matchmaking, don't you think? With ACAST podcast ads, you can filter for your exact dream audience so you can find the ideal customer for your business. The Romeo to your Juliet, the Rachel to your Ross, the Bert to your Ernie, and avoid those red flags and time wasters. Your ads can communicate with them in the most intimate way possible, a one-on-one -on -one conversation. 
a chance meeting in the gym, or a coffee shop. So go on, give it a try. With over hundreds of thousands of listens a month, your person is probably here. Get closer to your audience. Make podcast ads with Acast. Head to go.acast.com to get started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.